On this episode of A State of Control, we continue the conversation about user interface design. What are the trends in the AV industry? How does the AV industry have to change to stay on top of its game? And where do we see things headed for the future? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. A state of control, episode 51. Web versus AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. Our show today is a bit of a continuation from a past show, episode 33, if you're tracking it at home, uh, where we talked about user interface design and user experience a little bit and, and what it takes to develop a good user interface design. Today, we're going to dig a little bit deeper. So with me to do so are a, a host of guests that I think have some vested interest in this topic. But first, let me introduce, uh, you know him as Uncle Richie, Rich Fergoza, my partner at State of Control. Rich, welcome. How are you? Hey, Mellow West Coast, greetings. Uh, I'm reporting from an embedded location. Unfortunately, n- no, no, no winery, uh, no, no, uh, no vineyards behind me this time. So not nearly as sexy. Well, hopefully you were invited back though. Exactly. And next, uh, I'd like to welcome Oliver Hall. Oliver was with us uh, the last time we talked about this topic. He is from Ultimation from the UK. Welcome, Oliver. Hi there. Yep, like I said, I'm uh, based in Liverpool in the UK in the northwest and uh, sitting in a, what looks like a very sterile office, but it's actually it's a lot better from the other angle. And last but not least, uh, a gentleman who we know well but has is new to our show. Uh, his name is Scott Samsel, and he is from Greenpoint TDI. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, uh, as I mentioned in the start, uh, the user interface has evolved quite a bit uh, over the years and and you know it's it's gone from from very basic to flashy to more clean uh the the whole flat graphics idea and the av industry i think has been challenged with trying to keep up with the trends and trying to keep up with staying modern staying uh on on the in, in relevant honestly to make sure that the systems that we put out reflect what users are used to working with, with in user interface design in everyday products, especially with regard to technology and the web. So Rich, let's get, get started with talking about where are we headed with the idea of user interface design and um, the tools are evolving. Well, where, where do you see the user interface? How, how do you see us keeping up with, with those trends? Well, I think that um, we're at a crossroads right now. That, that's been kind of the issue. And uh, I'm sure Scott will chime in a little bit later. He wrote a little blog piece um, about one of the things that we're faced with right now is we are dealing with more customer-facing 
facing interfaces. Um, a lot of this is the result of mobile. Um, I, I mean, that, that's the reality. Um, 10 years ago, when you had a $10,000 touch panel, there weren't very many other devices that were touch sensitive you went to. So we had a little bit of a walled garden in terms of what we were dealing with. Um, in terms of the layouts, it, it, you know, there, there were the, the tools were a bit limited. <laughs> the results were very defined and a lot of it was purpose driven. Um, with the advent of mobile, all bets are off at this point. And the difference that we're dealing with now is that the greater technology sector is dealing with 200, 300, $400 devices that are being rotated anywhere from a year to two years out. And in order to promote the sales, they also have to kind of freshen everything up. So it's a little bit of the tail wagging the dog right now that we're running into. And it's, an in, in, it's, it's difficult in our industry because we're not necessarily dealing with, um, you know, your latest version of, you know, catch the kitten on your phone or, uh, you know, it, it, you know, your, your voicemail is going to change and you, you've gone from, uh, from one change to the other. I mean, obviously the, the 800 pound gorilla, um, is Apple in this. And so, you know, you saw the shift when they went for years and said this skeuomorphic design, you know, kind of this photorealistic view is this is going to be the interface of the future. We're always going to stick with this. And then John Ivey turned around three years later and said, nah, <laughs> we're just kidding. We're going to try something else. Um, and we're forced to kind of follow up because what's happening is that as the device is in people's hands, the overall look is changing. That tends to date our stuff that's out there. Although it's still functional, it's still providing everything that's necessary, the perception is changing. And it's a very difficult line for, uh, for especially our industry to tell. Um, I know that Oliver, his designs over the years have changed and uh, you, my designs have changed. And, and it's one of the things that we're, we're definitely forced to deal with right now. Um, and it's, it's a matter of maintaining uh, the functionality that's necessary to produce the effect that you want, which is get in, turn it on, start the meeting, watch a movie, and then get out. At the same time, this is still something that is an investment and people are expecting a polished look. Um, and with that is keeping up with the trends. And so I think what we're finding is that we're gonna have to be a lot more scalable in terms of our look, where the underlying layer, the framework, is still gonna stay the same, but if we're just slapping a new coat of paint on, now the problem is that the tools that we've had up until now haven't really allowed for a, a lot of new coats of paint to be put on quickly. It's required the tools themselves to be completely revamped. So, um, however, <laughs> there's been some announcements made and I think that we're gonna start getting closer within the, the next 18 months. Uh, Oliver, I'll, I'll jump over to you. Uh, Rich alluded to the fact that user interface is an important part of what you do. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of the, the need or the, the demand, let's say, from clients to be able to produce a user interface that is different from what has been done before? We don't necessarily get direct requests from, from clients asking for something different. But um, I mean, I guess what we hope is that one of our sort of unique selling points is that you know, we are offering something that's different. So I mean, an awful lot of our work comes through referral anyway. So um, I'm, I'm, I guess my, my hope is that those referrals are coming to us because, uh, because we're offering something that's a little bit, a, a bit, a little bit different from the sort of the cookie cutter stuff that you get. And, uh, you do see an awful lot of, I mean, we're, we're looking at this from the Crestron side of things. You, you see an awful lot of systems that use the generic templates and themes and stuff like that. And 
Unfortunately, that tends to make an awful lot of systems look the same. And in many ways, I guess um, sometimes the templates force people into a particular uh, sort of user flow as well. So it's not just, you know, whether the buttons are 3D or flat or anything like that, but the actual way that you approach a problem of selecting the movie or, you know, turning your lights up and down and things like that, they get kind of um, shoehorned into a particular way of doing things. So they're, they're, I suppose that's, what, that's where we see the opportunities because we sort of take a step back and really look at the, the usability as well. So we're, we're jumping around over a load of different areas here, aren't we? So, I mean, there's the, the visual side of it, you know, and is it schemorphic, is it flat, is it this, is it that? And that's a fashionable thing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're seeing things change over time. And that, again, that's an opportunity because, as Rich says, if, you, if you're able to uh, um, go and reskin a system for a client to bring it, you know, to freshen it up a bit, um, you know, hopefully that gives the, the system a bit more life without having to completely sort of rip it out and start again. Um, but the other side of it is the, is the sort of usability side of it and uh, you know, making sure that the, the user isn't button pressing all over the place. And um, I mean, that, that's, that's actually where we spend more time than anything um, is trying to cut down the, uh, to make those, each action be as simple as possible for the user. Um, and there's tons of other things that are coming along down the track as well, not just uh, touch panels and user interfaces from that side of things, but the, the whole user experience in terms of how do we interact with systems, um, which I guess we'll probably talk about later on. Thank you. Uh, Scott, um, Oliver mentioned and, and Rich did as well, uh, the fact that the user interface is changing, different tools are becoming available. And uh, is the perception of a system judged by the user interface and how much is it the look versus the operation? I think that's the fork in the road that Richard was talking about and the dilemma that we face. There's an exciting change in the fact that standardized tools are coming out. Um, so the, the cost of entry into the integration market is, is, um, is lower. Um, what also comes along with that is opinions. Um, we have a lot more opinions on the end user side than, than we've ever had before. Um, with those standardized tools or standardized industry, the web service industry as a, as a whole and how they're treating um, UI and UX design and how that filters down to us because, in my opinion, they're completely different, and this is what we have to filter through. If we're following the trends of our modern UI design, what I consider a modern UI design right now is you know, using words like simplicity, um, white space. Um, and, and you look at that from the, from the app side of things, it tends to go towards um, linear control. So it tends to go towards multiple apps and task-driven um, um, uses that people are used to on their phones and, and other devices. We're, we're integration. This is where we in, this is where we make our money. We're not control, we're integration. Um, so I look at it as an opportunity to integrate web service into our industry. The fear is, is that it scales down and now our systems systems themselves are starting to take a hit from the idea of modern UI design. Simplicity doesn't necessarily mean, uh, doesn't have to mean the system sacrifice, um, but it tends to be where what I'm hearing it might be going. So we get less out of a system functionality to make it ultimately uh, um, less intrusive on the end user. Um, so we have multiple apps, less functionality, and then less integration. Um, so I'm not necessarily looking at it as the biggest positive. I'm looking at it as what's the opportunity. And the opportunity is to, to try to bridge that gap and do what we do best, which is build systems. 
um, and integrate them together and be able to present them to the client. Ultimately, where I'd like to see things go is for us to look at empowering the customer as opposed to giving the customer. And you don't see enough of that, and ultimately that's where I I want to, I would like to see it. These tools would help, are going to help with that. So, Scott, am I understanding, do you think that the traditional web technologies are kind of infecting is probably too strong a word, but it, do you feel as though some of the kind of the, the processes and the, the design ideas that come from the traditional sort of IT web design sort of community are, aren't, don't apply to the control system integration sort of side of things? I think they absolutely apply, but I think you're getting into, now we're getting into integration into a different industry as well. So we're bringing a different industry into our world. Um, we have different verbiages and we have systems in place. We don't have devices. I speak to these guys and we do integrate um, with many of many um, other systems inside of that industry, the web service industry. It, it's the lowest hanging fruit. Now we're another device on their system that they're trying to communicate with. And by nature, um, you know, simplicity, simplicity and to be able to get through their scope as well as our scope and the integration scope is to eliminate, not complicate. They want to go right to gear because they don't understand that there's a system in place. But the ideal circumstance would be go to API or go to system as opposed to go to gear. And that's so it's a it's a training issue on our part, and that's the opportunity. Um, I might be extremely vague and, and out there, but it is something that I that's the most thing I deal with right now on the UI side. Is the, is the perceptions of how to deliver the systems that we deliver, but still give a modern um, UI to the end user um, so it doesn't feel that much different than their phone and other, and, and other apps. And it's a difficult process because mm -hmm. I'm having, a part of it means I'm having to change some of the mentality and compromise and meet that fork in the road. That to me, it seems to be more important than what is available for us to be able to put on a pressure on touch panel. We've done that forever. We're good at that. We've done it really well. Okay, we have a better tool to be able to do that more standardized tool. But what does this really mean? What it really means is that we have another integration channel to deal with. Sure. One of the things that I'm just going to jump in on this, uh, that's been the challenge for us. And, and again, full disclosure also as well, Oliver and I, have, um, he, he's doing some great stuff. And, and I've collaborated with Oliver on, on a couple of projects already and actually pushing some things out because I think he's tapped onto some great things. But the biggest challenge for us initially was moving from, and you see it in marketing, you see it in print, you see it in media. I mean, it's not just our industry. You're seeing it across the board. It's the transition from the physical plane paper, right? Magazine, copy, you know, a spec sheet to the dynamic or the digital plane. And the original rules that we had were based on paper space. Um, original UIX control was about the rule of thirds, right? How do you use white space? Um, your spacing, everything from your font, you know, your readability, your distance. And all of a sudden, and I'm going to keep going back to this with mobile, it's upset the apple cart because now we've gone from, you know, possibly a vertical rule of thirds or a horizontal rule of thirds now to, you know, sliders, pop out sliders, pop up spinners. I mean, all of these little widgets that start coming in that can either simplify like what, what Scott was talking about or, um, or, or really gum, simplify the process or really gum up the works. You know, if you have 40 things to choose from, maybe you don't have 40 buttons on there. 
maybe you do have a, a scrolling a scrolling list as I know Scott is <laughs> loves to death. Um, or you may have a spinner. I know Oliver's take on it may be that you have um, expanding and collapsing um, pertinent data. Uh, you know, it's it's we're we're definitely having to rethink the user interface experience. And not only from the physical plane, the touch side of things, but I'm sure Oliver's gonna to allude to is things like um, geolocation, voice, uh, everything, you know, all of these other cues that are coming in that are beyond just, um, you know, when we were dealing with paper, kind of the psychovisual elements of it. Now we're dealing with repetitive memory, you know, items, you know, how do you train muscle memory? How do you tap into muscle memory? You know, what is the, the psychological predisposition that somebody has with a user interface when they deal with the screen already, knowing that they're dealing with it probably a good 60 to 70% of their day. Do we tap into that and do we expand upon it or would go, no, no, we're making this completely different because this is purpose driven. Add to that, um, and especially right now where my challenge is, residential and bespoke residential is way different than an executive boardroom or a network operations center or a casino or a performing space or uh you know a sports stadium and what's happening is that in our industry and i think this is what the guys were talking about from an opportunity standpoint this is where the opportunity is this is the opportunity for integrators and third-party providers like ourselves to really go we really need to start making sure that we know our stuff and promoting everything that we've brought together and now creating something new out of that. Whereas from the IT space, they're only dealing with X. We're now having to deal with manufacturers that are all coming out with their own user interface. So not only do we have to deal with what a user is looking for, what we think we need to deliver, but we now have the manufacturer of the gear that we're interfacing with who's saying, oh yeah, we want it to look like this. And we've just pushed out 25,000 of these last month and now what it looked like last month looks completely different right now. We're seeing it a lot with the unified communication systems. Um, and we're getting calls right now, which is, well, I have this little device over here. Can you make it look like that? Well, let's talk about it. And, and so we're now being hit from all sides and it's really becoming more and more important from the integration side, like we did before with the 50 remote controls on the table to unify the process. And, and, um, I'm excited about it. It also keeps me up at night because half of the time, you know, what I thought I had, I knew last week, I'm looking at it again a week later going, you know, <laughs> ball up that paper, throw it away. And here we go. Let's start sketching again. But I think Rich, that's where we're really excited as well, because um, I mean, we're looking at a lot of HTML5 and CSS and stuff like that at the moment, because we know that's the direction that we're, we're going to be heading in with the Crestron stuff. And it's, it's, we're mocking things up outside of Crestron, you know, and, and the idea that we're going to be able to try out some of these things that we've had in mind for so long, um, you know, that they actually might become a reality now. It's, there's, there's tons of things that could be really exciting. And I think the challenge then is going to be, you know, judicious use of which things are actually beneficial and which things, you know, are whimsical or, you know, sort of a bit out there and actually don't add anything to the user experience. We aren't the ones in control anymore. <laughs> That's, I think, the big thing that comes out of this. Um, not being in control, I meaning there's other parties going to be involved. Can we use an example of, let's say, like the so like the Sono system that currently is integrated into the Crestron? I'm going, to, I'm going residential, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but integrated in, into the uh, into the Crestron system. Right now, it's framed out, right? You get start getting into the HDMI 
HTML scenario. Now you're talking about true software integration where you can bring in their pieces and their uh, uh, another integration piece with all of their rules and all of their IP attached. Um, what do we do with that when the flow is different than the flow that we want to be able to provide? Sure, we'll be able to change the CSS and skin it and all that, and that's probably what 90% of the people want. But what about the flow of the integration? What about the actual communication between the two softwares? I hope that we start talking about that as opposed to, to changing the buttons to blue in, in the CSS file. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, we don't really see kind of embedding other people's apps inside of sort of, you know, HTML frameworks or, or containers as the, the, the great way to go. Because like you say, there's going to be two completely different takes on the user interface. They're probably designed for different types of uh, interaction models anyway. So um, it's going to be lucky if that works. So um, I think we're still looking at the integration kind of angle. You know, we still want to be talking to these devices as a holistic system. Sure. Well, the, the beauty too, that it, it opens up and, and for us, and as I'm far, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 50 far more than I'm approaching 20, is that it's, op it's going to give me the opportunity to open up a talent pool. I'm going to be able to start working with um, a, a different um, workforce that has grown up with this dynamic type of interface as opposed to my experiences with it who are far better code jockeys from the html side and the css side and and who have grown up with it and so i what i what i'm excited about is is that portion of it which is there is we're we're finding ourselves in those two camps we're seeing the configurable solutions the can software with the themes that at least gives a a um, a base layer of consistency, and then we're now moving into the other area, which is um, it's allowing companies, and I think it's important for companies to differentiate themselves as true developers. And we're starting to see the, lo the line drawn in the sand. Um, there's, there's the configuration line, uh, side of the line, and then there's the development side of the line. And the development side of the line is where the longevity of your company is going to come from, because that is going to be a case where, like we were saying, you're not going to want to go ahead and throw it just inside a framework or inside a sandbox and say, well, here, here's a window peeking into somebody else's API or UI. We are now bridging all of these together and finding a way to do it economically and efficiently. And again, it's, it's, it also comes down to, you can do all the greatest stuff in the world, but if you've priced yourself out of the market, you also have to be careful at the same time when sometimes what you're competing with is somebody going, yeah, but it's free. <laughs> I, can, I can live with it because it's free. And so that becomes the value proposition for integrators. I think that they constantly have to be asking themselves from here on out, which is there are low cost or free options that are going to become available that you do have to look at as as part of your as part of your business model um, and then determine can you profitably work within that environment or if you're going to differentiate yourself how can you efficiently do it so that not you're losing your pants you know every time you try to roll out a project i think we touched on an interesting point too and and uh, you know scott mentioned about the idea that you have these these independent systems that have to be brought together. Um, touched on Sonos, I think Cisco is another one that really defines a user experience and clients are starting to identify with them. So um, Scott, I'll, I'll, I'll let you chime in on this. How do we keep that familiarity and the comfort that those, those user interfaces or the, those solutions provide 
but still provide the integration because each of them, they, they don't really match. They don't go together. Um, you know, and, and we have to figure, do, do we create a new identity or do we leverage the, the, the predominant identity that the client is used to? It's my belief that, that we in the, inside of this industry need to, need to be the ones changing um, in the sense that we need to change. We're going to be changing who our client is to Rich's um, point as well. Our clients are changing. Um, it, it starts being, being not a whole, the whole idea that the end, the end user is the client. Um, we start, start thinking about other integrations as being potential parts of the client as well. So it starts with the idea of, of, of developing a plan and an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I'm going in strong and heavy in this world with, on the API side from us. So I'm trying to open up a whole other realm of saying we are a system just like Cisco is a system, just like, you know, um, Sonos is a system. Um, we would also like to be able to integrate all those together, but we on the AV side and the software integration side are our own system. So, you know, we can add value to being in the bigger picture and being a piece of the puzzle and understanding um, where, our, where our markets might end up uh, be, being for real. Um, that's one approach. Educa education on the fact that we are a system that we're providing. That, that would be key. The other thing that we have that other other sides of the industry don't have is we do have an understanding of the end users in our marketplace. So creating, so helping um, educating um, what the customers are really ultimately looking for um, and start shifting towards segments of that, like uh, in what I said, empowering the customer. Um, we don't focus enough on that, even in our current designs, in our current industry. We focus on control but what about focusing on the experience? Why don't we start putting the experience in the hands of our, of our clients? And that, that's all software development, and that's all open, and that's all an opportunity. So looking at opportunities. Oliver, I'll, I'll move over to you, and, and we're probably going to end on this topic. But you mentioned using mainstream programming tools, HTML, five CSS, and so forth. What, what do I know that they bring a lot to the table and they allow us to open some doors to things that we haven't done before. But what what challenges might they also pose? Um, I mean, I suppose in terms of when we're talking about tools, I mean, one of the I think challenges and and opportunities the the fact that they are their standards more than tools, I suppose. So, you know, the fact that they are their standards, they're mature. I mean, you know, Web 2.0's been around for for so long now. That, you know, there's it's it's very well sort of understood, and you know, I think that's a great foundation for us to build on now. So, whereas before we were using a lot of proprietary stuff, um, and I guess you know we were relying on manufacturers to develop these things and uh, and come up with best practices and stuff. Now we can lean on. The existing best practices that have already been, you know, thought through. But I mean, we can't get away from the fact that you know, sort of web development and uh, control systems development are, I think, are, are are quite different animals. So you know, they do need different approaches. But I think you know, there's an awful lot of good stuff that we can we can leverage. So the challenges really is just 
you know, it's, it's a different tool set that people need to get to grips with. Um, I mean, there seems to be, as well as we're talking about the sort of experiences, it does feel at the moment that the manufacturers are trying to um, standardize experience in one element, you know, because they're, I guess they're trying to be ubiquitous and be, you know, uh, provide us, a, you know, a, a, an easy to deliver product. Um, whereas we sort of operate at more of the sort of the custom bespoke end. Um, but, you know, so it maybe it's more the people at the bespoke end of the market that are, are going to have to kind of get to grips with these tools. And a lot of programmers now, you know, can probably make use of the, the sort of package stuff that they're going to get. So I don't know, every time it's mentioned, people sort of wring their hands and say, oh, no, we're, you know, we've got a ton of things to learn. I, I don't think it's going to be that, that big a deal, to be honest. I think it's, there's more opportunity than, than danger. But I, I like the idea that you said we're going to almost have to define these new rules and, and, and be able to adapt the, the, the best practices that may yeah. be in other industries to how they apply to our industry. And I think that's a really good point. We've been doing that since the dawn of the days, guys. Yeah. yeah. We're the ones I mean, who <laughs> but I mean, I think there's things that, that from our side, I mean, Scott, you, you guys might be doing all this sort of stuff already, but from our perspective, I mean, you know, I'm looking at a lot of the UK dealers that we talk to, things like software testing and stuff, they're alien topics to an awful lot of, a lot of integrators. Whereas um, with some of these HTML uh, environments, you know, you can automate testing and, and set up sort of those kind of environments where you can, you know, the, the software, I think the, the quality of software has an opportunity to, to, uh, to be a lot better these days. Whereas everything else used to be, you know, a one-off, off you go, hardly any testing. The, you know, the client would be the person that would be finding the bugs in it. And, uh, you know, we need to make a lot of effort to try and, and move away from that kind of stuff. I think that's a good point and a good stopping point for today. So I, I do appreciate your insight on that. And thank you, uh, for joining us today and being part of the show. Um, uh, how, how can people reach you, learn more about your company and, uh, and, and uh, know about the services that you're providing? Okay, it's probably the hardest uh, company name to remember, but um, the website is www.ultimation, which is U-L-T-A-M-A-T-I-O-N.com. Uh, and uh, that's got some case studies and things like that on there. Um, but it also links off to other things that we do. So we, we do software drivers for, uh, for Crestron systems and stuff like that. So if people want to check us out, that's the place to do it. Or Twitter, which is just at Automation. Great. Thank you. I, I, I will add the award-winning Automation.com. Ah. So kind, it is. Uh, Oliver is doing some great stuff right now. And uh, so credit where credit's due, definitely. Check out some of the work that he's doing. Yeah, there was a CDA award that we won quite recently, which, is, which was a, a really good thing. So that's... Very exciting. Very nice. Congrats. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> Scott Samsel from Greenpoint TDI. Thanks for being with us today. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company? Green, GreenpointTDI.com. That's at um, T is in Tom, D is in David, um, I is in Indigo.com. Um, that's a great place to be able to get um, um, get to us. Um, you can uh, um, see my blogs and see what we do there. I'm also, as everybody else knows, I'm all over social media. That's probably an interesting uh, um, way to be able to, uh, uh, to interact as well. Excellent. And last but not least, Rich Fergosa, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about what you're, what you're up to? Well, you can find us on the intertubes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at rfergosa. You can also find us uh, on the website, fergosadesign.com. But more than anything else, please visit us on all of our uh, shows here on avnation.tv. 
including State of Control, Resi Week, and uh, AV Week, and a slew of the other shows that we have. So more than anything else, uh, track us down on avnation.tv. Wonderful. Another great show. Thanks for uh, bringing up this topic. I think it was a good one. Um, so my name is Steve Greenblatt. I can be reached at Steve Greenblatt or my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. Um, but please check us check out the AV Nation website, avnation.tv. Uh, you can find out about the show and others, as Rich mentioned. And But we'd also like to hear from you. We'd like to know the things that you want to know more about because this show is geared toward our audience. So please leave us a comment, leave us a review, send us a question, uh, reach out to me directly, however best works for you. And uh, also visit the AV Nation underwriters on the website and please thank them for their support because their support are what make these shows happen. So that is it for today for the State of Control. 